Welcome back to System Minutes Trivia, the podcast where we delve deep into the past. This is Brent. I'm Jonathan. And we do not have Payton with us tonight here, unfortunately. <laughs> that's living it up. It's You know what? So we're kind of doing a blast from the past in two ways tonight, aren't we? The first is we started with just Jathan and I, right? That's, that's how the podcast The best started. season we ever had. I thought it was like a season and a half or two seasons. No, it was just one. Just one? Yeah, so that was our very first season, our pilot season, season zero. That's where that happened. And then we're also going to kind of be recapping a topic we've touched upon once or twice in the past. We're talking Man, about... zero when I was young, dumb, and chewing gum. <laughs> That's not what the quote was. <laughs> that is not what you said originally. Do you want to tell the people at home what the original quote was? Nope, they'll figure it out on their own. <laughs> okay. I think if you just search the show notes for young, comma, dumb, comma, you should be able to find the rest. Yeah, so we're doing that, but we're also talking about some topics we've kind of brushed upon in the past, namely ransomware prevention. Maybe a little bit of mitigation, but mostly prevention. This is kind of a refresher because if you haven't turned on the news or looked around you lately, yeah. damn near everything is getting compromised right now. Yeah. And no. I don't know if it's because external sort of bad actors recognize that the U.S. is going through a shit show in a lot of ways. Yeah, did so you they're see just me? like, did you see me ask Tater about that? Taters? No, I try not to look at stuff. <laughs> I try not to look at stuff. Save that in a nutshell. Yeah, I just drive my car with my eyes closed. <laughs> worked out pretty well so far <laughs> you are a very lucky person yeah no i i asked him because you know he's got his thumb deeper into the the infosec community than i do so i asked him like hey with all these you know recent ransomware bullshits like is it just being reported more heavily and it's happening at the same rate or do you think it's like some sort of nation state cyber warfare thing or like organized <laughs> crime or what he's like no the news cycle is pretty much run out of things to talk about so they're focusing on this and you know i would i would totally agree so it seems to just largely be sensationalized and is still happening at the same rate yeah but we can go a little bit more about that in the actual topic what have you been up to do you still have aquariums i have one right now is that what i hear in the background you do it needs a little water so okay our summer here in Colorado started off relatively re, re, relative rain. Uh, I've been drinking. Oh. <laughs> relatively rainy for Colorado, mm. which was cool because last year we had a horrible wildfire year. But lately it's been hot and dry. And of course, when that happens, the water in the aquarium evaporates mm. more quickly. So like I've literally been dumping almost a half gallon of water in a day. And it's mm. not even an open top. It's got like a hole in the top to feed the fish. Why don't you saran wrap it? Well, I don't know. That sounds like it'd be ugly. Well, but anyway, yeah, but... TLDR, some exciting news. I don't want to derail things too far, but I guess this is what we do at this point. Yeah. <laughs> Katie and I are looking for a house, and that's mm-hmm. all I'm really going to say about it. Mm-hmm. But I am likely going to get rid of the fish tank altogether. Why? Because the places we're looking to live... Mm-hmm. I mean, they're not going to be super close to, like, any kind of aquarium store. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to always have to have, like, a spare heater, spare filter, all those things on hand. I also think we're potentially looking at some houses in some more rural areas. Mm -hmm. Because I have... I have been basically cleared to not go back to work ever. Okay. At least at my current job. 
and Katie even back to the does. office. Yes, yes, you're still working. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Katie, with what she does, can kind of get a job just about anywhere. Mm. So she's we're a teacher, taking... right? Yeah. Yeah. The the unions have been pushing really hard for to well, it's not even that. It's more so like there's a school in every town. Oh, sure. Yeah, that's true. So, you know, even but though... It also right depends if they're hiring or not. Yes. But, but they usually are. Um, yeah. Yeah. That there's at least some teachers that leave every year. But anyway, so we're taking advantage of it and we're going to check out the mountains and maybe live that life for a couple of years and see how it works for us. Mm. So that being said, the other thing about the mountains is one, most of the houses we're looking at have wood heat. Wood. Which I'm totally fine with. Okay. But I doubt we're going to keep our house at like 72. It's going to be more like 66, 68. Mm. So, yeah, I just don't want to pay for all the electric to heat the fish tank that much more. I don't want to constantly, you know, depending what kind of water you have, well water, you treat the water more, it's harder water, whatever. So it's just like, I think that I am going to just give it up for a while. Mm. But, you know. Are you going to use your, your big old aquarium as a cat tank? <laughs> no. I'm just going to sell it, probably. Mm. In fact, the scape that I have in my aquarium right now uses some rocks that are actually really expensive. Mm. So even just, you know, like giving the aquarium away, but selling those rocks will probably be worthwhile. What are you going to buy with that? Are you going to buy Bitcoin? I'm probably going to pay for part of our house. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, like I don't have to go out and spend the money is what I'm saying. <laughs> well, so, yeah. you know, if you have Bitcoin, you, you There's sell a lot going it a on. later. With us, we're really busy. Mm -hmm. I'm sure, you know, Peyton's missing this week for family reasons. Not yep. to get, you know, I don't want to, whatever, but. I don't even, yeah, I don't I don't think I even know the details. Did he tell us the details? Yeah, a little bit. Oh, I wasn't kind of. But, <laughs> Whoops. you know, I'm sure at some point the housing market moves really fast here. There's going to be a point in time where we are going to have to go see a house on a Wednesday night and I'm going to miss recording probably. So mm. that's just what's going to happen. But anyway. So I'm replacing fish tanks with a cooler hobby anyway. Mm -hmm. I got a 3D printer. Yeah. yeah fucking... I think you mentioned that last episode. Did I? Well, I mentioned it last episode. And you were like, oh, that was going to be my plans. And then I was like, well, shit. I think I was drunk. Yeah. Was I? I mean, you usually are. That's how I try to... I close my eyes. Yeah. I don't see anything. I don't like to look at things. And then I'm also <laughs> drunk. It's a great way to live. He doesn't like you basically just make everything like paying up. attention to things. He just right. wants to be drunk. Mm -hmm. Speaking of, what are you drinking tonight? Ah, uh, yes. I am drinking an old-fashioned made with Boulder High Rye bourbon, which I think is what I was drinking last time anyway. Mm. I don't know if you mentioned old-fashioned. If you did, I... No, no. I mean, last time I was just drinking bourbon. Oh, right, right, right. right. But tonight I made an old-fashioned. Okay, I see. I didn't want to drink it neat because it's really fucking hot here. Yeah, that's so like too. Eh. We had like but a, I would never just stick a cube of ice in, like, bourbon without making a cocktail. Hmm. You should get one of those ice glasses. Hmm. I just think in any way, not just diluting it with water and the ice, but, I mean, even making something colder dulls your senses. Well, maybe your a taste. little bit. You could just keep it in the freezer. Oh, God, no. Vodka only. I, it depends on how hot it is. Okay, so <laughs> tell me what you're drinking, South, I have another band. Like, what's that? I said, tell me what you're drinking, then I have another okay. band. Right, okay. Oh, you have a band. Okay. It's about alcohol, but it's a band. All right. I am drinking tonight Shiner Bach. Ooh, that's a good choice. You know, you, we don't agree on a lot of things, but I think we agree on that. I do like Shiner Bachs. They're, they're a little bit tricky to find sometimes, but I was surprised that I actually was able to find them at my local grocery store. So, huh. 
Yeah, I don't know about there, but here it's it's everywhere. But we have mm. a lot of people from Texas that live in Colorado. Yeah, I was going to say, you're closer to Texas than we are. Yeah. So I actually, I think I've mentioned this on the show before. Especially with my old job, I drank a lot of coffee. Okay. I still drink coffee a little bit less, but there are still days where I just get so into whatever I'm doing that like I don't leave my office, really. Have you ever had the coffee from... The, the coffee run from La Colombe dist- uh, no. distillers. They're in Philly. So I don't know if they if they export to other states. But Well, check a liquor store called good. Hazel's online and let me know. Because they have, like, fucking everything. Okay. But anyway, there are days, though, at my old job especially this happened, where, like, I would drink coffee all day at work. I'd leave work. I'd drive home. I would eat dinner. And then I would pop open a beer. And by the time I went to bed, I'd be feeling, like, kind of meh. And, like... I finally figured out that it's because I literally was just, I would literally drink coffee all day and then beer at night. And that was like all I drank. Like, I'm not good at hydrating, really. Yeah, no, no shit. That's not good. That's, yeah. that's all, that's like all uppers and then all downers. Like, yeah, I mean, and I would do that for like a week at a time. <laughs> you were drinking liquid highballs. <laughs> yeah, good. But, Great. so, you know, that is a thing that I have recently found myself doing again. And like, it's not even like I drink a lot of beer. It's not like I'm drinking like a fucking six pack a night or anything. It'll be like, I'll have dinner, I'll drink a Michelob Ultra, and then I'm so exhausted, I just fucking pass out. Like, I'm tired, that's it. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know, I think a part of this is a habit, not to say that, like, you know, I have an alcohol problem, but, like, it's easy to reach for a fucking cold beer in the fridge, and it's Colorado, it's hot out. You know, I go out after work and sit on our patio and stuff, it's nice to sit there with a beer. Mm. And I like beer, I mean, I'm not gonna lie about it, it's not just alcohol, but I mean, I like beer. I brew beer, I drink beer, I like beer. And so I've been seeing all these ads recently for non-alcoholic beer, but it's like craft non-alcoholic beer. Speedball, that's what I'm saying. Sorry, not highball. Highball is a type of glass. A glass, yeah. Yeah. And so I was like, I wonder if anybody has actually made non-alcoholic beer that is decent and tastes like actual beer. Because like Odul's, I don't know if you've had it before. I, yeah, it's... It's fucking bad. It's it's all right. It's... It depends on what you're expecting. You're not going to get like a craft taste, I think, out of a lot of... So you actually can now. There are three beers that I bought. I bought three different kinds per some reviews I read online. All non-alcoholic, which to be clear, non-alcoholic beer is not totally alcohol-free, but it's less than half a percent. Yeah, it's kind of impossible. Yeah. If you can drink cough syrup, you can drink these. Oh, these are really not bad. So the one that I actually would recommend the most is Odul's, but it's not the original. It's Odul's Amber. It comes in a brown bottle. Okay. And it's actually, like, if I didn't know it was non-alcoholic, I would just think it was, like, an amber ale, you know? Mm. Mm. The two others, though, there's one from a company that's called Athletic Brewing. Mm. And those are not only non-alcoholic, but also really low calorie content. Mm. The one that I got is not my favorite, It's but if you like IPAs, you'll like it. It's pretty hot. I don't. Yeah, I don't either, which I'm is why I found I'm not a fan of favorite. really light beers. Like, ales are about my limit of what beers I'll well, drink. Yeah, Apple. okay. And then the third one is Heineken Zero. Now, the caveat is you have to like Heineken, which mm. Heineken's like a I'll little skunky kind of... Yeah. yeah, I'll drink it, but it's... It's not my favorite. I've had it on yeah. the show before, and I've expressed as much. Yeah. But Heineken Zero actually tastes kind of like Heineken. Like, it's pretty damn close to the real thing. Huh. Interesting. It's closer probably to Heineken Light if you've had that, which you probably haven't because most people yeah. haven't. Yeah. So anyway, I am not doing this to drink less alcohol because that would be a tragedy. <laughs> I'm really just doing this because I I want to know what's out there, first of all. But would I keep like Odul's Amber around for like hot days when I want to sit out and have a beer? I might. Like, mm. I actually don't mind it. 
I've been getting back into beer now that it's summer. <sighs> yeah. I have gotten away from beer for a while. I go in these phases. Like, I'll drink beer for a long time. Like, months on end, it's like every week I'm trying a new beer. Yeah. But, you know, every it, it happens every winter. It gets cold, and I'm like, I just want fucking just, whiskey. Yeah, you just don't feel, it doesn't warm you like a liquor will. Yeah, and that's mm-hmm. when I get back into drinking bourbon, usually. Yeah, bourbon and so rum. This cool. summer, though, you know, I think part of it is because we didn't really start out as hot as we normally do. Mm. But I'm, like, still on the bourbon train, really. Mm. And that's a whole other story, you know. Like, I drank scotch for years. Yeah. Like, 21 till I was, like, 23. Like, I started drinking scotch as soon as I hit 21. Uh, it's something mm. my grandmother drank a lot. And I just, I had, like, fond memories of her and scotch, which sounds... Bad, yeah, <laughs> but I mean, so I just I tried. I'm beginning scotch. to think alcoholism runs in your family. <laughs> well, it does, but okay. Well, there you different go. issue, different thing. Okay, okay. And I just really loved scotch. I could never get into bourbon. Bourbon was like kind of sweet and like a little too rigid for me. It's rich. It's very rich. It can be. Yeah, but I think that's the difference too. Is like. I sent you Breckenridge bourbon. You don't really like it, but I not do. Not a fan, no. It's it's not. It's my problem with it was it wasn't rich enough. I'm looking for the smoke. Yeah. So I have found that I tend to like kind of younger bourbons mm. that are more like caramel, vanilla. Yeah, I don't like that. Whereas you like oaky bourbon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, because that's why I would drink. Otherwise, I would drink whiskey if I'm not looking for the oakiness. You know. Yeah. So. Well, if you're looking to cut some alcohol from your life, or some calories from your life, or you just you know, want something else to drink that actually tastes like beer, Odul's Amber, I can recommend. Athletic Brewing, I've only had the Upside Dawn, it's called. Okay, like if you like IPAs, you'll probably like it. And then Heineken Zero, actually pretty good. Mm. Mm. So that's good my time. tip about alcohol. What's uh, what's your tip about the fucking <laughs> Linuxes? <laughs> that's P- pretty subtle, huh? Yeah. yeah I'm good at this. I should be segue. like a, not, not an MC at all for something. Time. Can I just become like the podcast MC? Like you guys do all the talking, but I just like guide the conversation. I don't and think tonight could, on Sis I don't, I don't we've think got you Brent with talk. a hot new hit. That's a Come DJ, CD not an with MC. me. No, that's, Depends that's a on, DJ. No, an MC would host like a pageant. Yeah, yeah. So maybe it's you dancing down the fucking runway with like well, that installer CDs covering your junk, like a dick disc. <laughs> We'll go down to the Dicotech. The Dicotech, you know, it's perfect. <laughs> I hate you so much. That's so fucking dumb. <laughs> fucking people in the front row are just blinded because you have the CDs like inside out. <laughs> Somebody from the back's like, it's inside out. It's backwards, man. Oh, let it's me supposed to be the AOL to logo on the outside. <laughs> oh, gosh. Or I could use like, you know, when you bite. Can you even get blank CDs anymore? Blank CDRs or e- I, hard copies? Anyways, you know when you get them, they always have that like fake disc at the top. Yeah, yeah. The the, the, the see through one. Yeah, I'll just wear one of those. So I actually no no way. This is not gonna work. In my uh huh my mom's house yep. back in Pennsylvania, which she still lives in where I grew up. Yeah, I used to collect like free AOL CDs and like those sort of plasticky like. CDs. Who makes and I, coasters? Well, I used to just hang them up. Like, if you go up the stairs to the attic, which is where my bedroom was, mm. the whole side wall as you walk up the stairs is covered <laughs> in CDs. <laughs> were, you, were you a bored child, Jathan? Uh, it's just cool. 
don't know about that. Well, because like, you had to walk up to the, the, no, 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 the no, no, stairs no, to no, get to my Jay-thon, bedroom. Jayton, if, if it was like a record store or like a punk venue, yeah, maybe that might be cool. But for a bedroom, that's kind of like I have nothing better to do than glue CDs to this wall here. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You know, well, like I feel like there's a threshold that's crossed with it. That's that. the kicker is. When she goes to sell the house, we're going to have to do something because they're nailed to the wall. <laughs> they're nailed to the wall. They're, a plaster wall, I used carpet tacks. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, you could just reskin it. That's not too yeah. bad. But but if somebody wants to hang something there later? <laughs> <laughs> no, if you if joint compound. The oh. trick is sand, you have to sand it smooth. And Since you love my mom butt. so much, I'll let you go handle that for her. No, fuck that. I have to do enough of that in my house. Uh, homeownership is really something that like I can't yet relate to you and Peyton on. Oh, you're in for a treat. Let me tell you. Well, you guys have faulty drains. I have fucking rattlesnakes under my porch. Well, soon you're going to be able to get to deal with rattlesnakes and faulty drains. Yeah. So. I. Good luck with that. Over under, but I'm on the underside. I really think it's like one year of me living in the mountains before something kills me. (laughs) Probably a rattlesnake, possibly a moose. Dude, you don't fuck around with moose. Meese, no shit, dude. Moose, they're mooses. fucking mad. And they're huge. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They'll, like, if you piss them off, and you can piss them off just by, like, driving by them. Yeah, yeah you just look. Dude, people who've hit moose with their car, usually dead. People mm-hmm. who've shot moose with, like, a pistol that's in dead. their car, usually dead. Yeah. Yeah. Also, the other thing is, people think, like, bears are protective of their cubs, and they are, but, like, a mama moose will oh, fuck yeah. you up. Oh, yeah. Without even thinking twice. She's like, I don't care if they're walking the other direction. I'm just going to fucking kill them. Yeah, it, well, part of it is, like, especially out-of-towners, or, like, people who aren't familiar with Well, moose they want to get a picture so or badly. Or have never seen one in person. First they of all... They just don't think about it. What you don't realize is moose are fucking huge. They're huge. And, like, well, they don't we're not talking necessarily huge, but they weigh a fuckload. Like, they're super lean. So everything you see is fucking muscle. muscle. Yeah, it's yeah. all muscle. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they're also really fucking huge. <laughs> so they, they are. Canadian moose are. I've seen Canadian moose. I haven't yeah, seen so I went on a Colorado canoe trip moose. up in Maine. I canoed mm-hmm. down a waterway called the Allagash, which actually runs between Maine and Canada. Have you had Allagash wine, per chance? No. It's pretty good. But I was in high school, so... And I, it was a Boy Scout trip. Mm-hmm. So, like, we probably weren't drinking wine. But Probably not. Anyway, we saw a lot of moose. I think Allagash wine is actually, weirdly enough, made in PA. I'd have to check that, but... Oh. oh, no, 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 no. Maybe. Okay. <laughs> you're, There's you're a fucking about... beer I'm thinking of. No, Allagash makes beer, too. It's a specific wine, or a beer, though, that's, like, extremely, like... High alcohol? Uh, well, yeah, it's like an imperial... Big-ass bottle? Allagash here it is. Black? Have you had this? Oh, no. Here, hold on, hold on. Let me... If you haven't, you have to get some, dude. Oh. If you don't get some by the time the shit show rolls around, I'm gonna send you a bottle. Okay. Hold on, I'm sending you this link right now. You'll know the bottle as soon as you see it. Will I? Oh, shit. Discord fucking just puts a link in there. Or that picture. No, no, I see the... Dude, Kuro is really, really good. And do you see I... what it says on the label? No, I... Oh, let me, let me explain it here. No, Read I have not had... I have not had their Kuro, but they're... Ooh. That does sound good, though. I've had Allagash White and Allagash Black. Do you also see the alcohol drinks. percent? No, but knowing Allagash, it's probably insane. 27%? Yeah, that's, that's, that's about par for Allagash. Yeah. Anyway, no, it's eleven percent. Eleven percent. I saw twenty-seven percent. It's fucking shitty font, but <laughs> it's eleven. Oh, 
But they're aged, I'm pretty sure it's bean barrels. Jim Beam. Oh. Huh. Anyway, it's really good. Alright, it's been fucking 22 minutes. Yeah, let's let's hear. I asked you about the tip and you derailed us, you derailer. I derailed us? You belong us? on a bicycle. <laughs> Instead of a train? Well, yeah. Because bicycles are supposed to have derailers. That's I know. How you, that's how you switch gears. Okay, right, that's anyways. what I'm saying. You switched our gear. You're what? a derailer. <laughs> Jesus, you're slow on the fucking draw tonight. No. This is great. When Payne's no, not Jay here, thought, I'm, the fucking, I'm the fucking alpha host. No, no, Jay thought. I'm listen. taking over the world. No, that's in- incredibly incorrect. <laughs> when you switch Stay gears, away, it just means you go slower or faster. It doesn't mean you switch directions like a train. You're switching directions in terms of up or down. Mm, that's not really a direction. That's an elevation. Depends. But also, Ask you don't physicist. always need to switch a gear to change elevation. Well, nobody wants... Work smarter, not harder. <laughs> I mean, you, you should. That's primarily why you switch gears, but that's not that's the right. only reason why you would switch gears. That's right. Okay, anyways. Tip. Tip. So, Jathan asked me how to... What were you fucking doing? Setting or... Mm. Oh, a whole bunch of I don't shit. even yeah, want right. to say too much, honestly. You're probably fine. For like, reasons... I, but you needed a, a list of files in an array in Bash. Yeah. Because you you wanted to iterate over them. And I said, well, dude, like, just, you know, just use find and Xargs. And he's like, well, what's that? So I, you know, I linked him about Xargs. Xargs lets you take a, essentially a list of files. And you can customize how those file lists, how that list is delineated Preferably with find, you want to use a null output separator, a null byte a null byte separator, and then XRs can read where the null bytes are, and say, okay, this is definitely where this file name ends, and this is where the next one begins. Otherwise, you know, spaces can fuck things up, or technically, you can have a new line character in a file name, which causes all sorts of fuckery. So you know that would oh what? Just remind me to tell you something at the end of this. Okay. I'll mention it. Did someone put a new line or like a hyphen in a file name? No. At the beginning of a file name? It's better than that. Mm. Fair enough. So yeah. So anyways, XRX will take a list of something. Typically, you use it with find. So it's, it's usually a list of files or directories or whatever. And let you perform operations on that list. So it's kind of like finds dash exec option. But it's smart. And it lets you... <laughs> Yeah, exec's pretty dumb. Well, exec, you have to be really, really careful about quoting things and stuff. Yeah. Which is what you're touching on, but I mean... Yeah, yeah, that's true. But yeah, XRX is a lot friendlier with that. And it also lets you do things like redirects. You can't really do that with an exec. You can't say, okay, for all these files, do a cat dev null. Yeah. So, yeah, so it greatly opens up your flexibility with how you want to handle that. Yeah. And that's it. That's really all I have for XRs. You can read the man page about it, obviously. We'll throw an example in the show notes. Yeah, sure. Why not? Like, we'll throw something in the show notes that would be doable with find, but would be a lot, and exec, but would be a lot cleaner with XRs. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think we all probably have one of those laying around somewhere, honestly. Yeah, probably. I'm sure I could come up with one, if not. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. But yeah, but that's, you know, more to the point, like, I don't want to spend too much time talking about it, because there's so much documentation about it everywhere. Yeah, I'm sure. But it's <laughs> honestly it's really worth having like in your back pocket. I'm sure there's a Nick's craft article on it, Jayvon. Do not read that one. It's probably <laughs> wrong. It's definitely bad. I should, 
I should link to the Mixcraft article. I will quit. That's a promise. <laughs> because I linked to a Nixcraft article? He's not good. Mm. You have this, like... I love how it's a one-way feud, too. Like, he doesn't even know you exist. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't know I exist. Dude, <laughs> That's I, the best I part. tweeted at him before, though. And Did it was not reply? nice, and he didn't reply. Yeah, no, he never does. That's why. he's He doesn't want to fight me. That's kind of fucked up. He should defend I his good he name. I didn't see your tweet. He's, he's verified, isn't he? Dude, if he's verified, I'm quitting Twitter. <laughs> check, check. I'm checking right now. I'm fairly sure he is. No way. But what? No, he's not. No, he's not? Okay. Thanks, God. Like Dude, if he gets like verified before me, what? he doesn't have millions. Hold on. Hey, this is the problem with Nixcraft. If people think that he's some kind of Linux god, yeah. he has 225,000 followers. I could do that if I tried. That's actually a lot smaller. No, you couldn't. Yes, I could. <laughs> I don't think Challenge you could. accepted. No. Fucking follow me if you don't, because otherwise I'm coming for you. <laughs> 225. Is there a time limit on this? No. <laughs> well, how long has he been doing this? Figure this out. Two, two, uh, November 2008, he joined. Uh-huh. I, by... So, what's, so in 13 now years... Plus, yep. All right, so in 2034, I will have 225,000 followers. Bet. If the, well... Fucking Karoo. I'll send you Linux, a Karoo. If the Linux version of Y2K doesn't, you know, destroy everything. Well, yeah, if we're even alive. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. What does that hit? 2031 or 2032? I can't remember. 2030? I don't know. 2038? That's 203 yeah. something. I can't remember what it is. Anyways, that's coming. Whoa! What is this also? Add free Patreon content, and then he has a link in bio. If you click the link, it's a 403 for Bitcoin. <laughs> Dude, it's does good. it do that for you too? No, I'm it not should. looking. I'm, I'm, not, I'm paying attention to the show we're recording right now. We've already made a great show. People will already like this. This is going to be the highest rated show of season whatever the hell. Will it? We could check that. Are you are you willing to stand by that statement? 10 out of 10. Yeah? You think that's, that's going to happen? <laughs> Alright, at the end of the season, we'll check. We're we'll going to forget to check. Well, maybe I'll set, had... a, I'll set a reminder for myself. Yeah, that? I was going to say, some of the set a reminder. And there's, since there's only two of us and I'm not going to do it, that leaves you. <laughs> well, Edita's going to be gonna listening. This is going to be a great episode. <laughs> Edita might Woo! do it. Okay. Pay so, buddy. Take every day off. It's okay. Back, back on track here. You um, derails that time. No, you're the derailer. No. You damn gears. <laughs> Shut up. Well, I'm gearing up. How about that? I'm, I'm gearing up and I'm switching us back on track. Uh-huh. He's got us going 45 in the fast lane. On a bike. Sir. That's impressive. Sir, you see. Tour de France winner. How much have you had to fucking drink today? Not enough. Tour de France winner Brent has gone 45 down the spiral of doom death. Uh huh. I'm pretty sure the Tour de France does not have that. Yes, yes, it does. They don't have a spiral. It's where the lady with the sign is standing, and that's called the spiral of doom death now. The spiral of doom death? Yeah. I don't think all the people go to die. I. I don't think that's a thing. 80-year-old Frenchman, they're just like, well, this I'm is my... I'm positive that is not the thing. Okay. <laughs> all right. All right. On so topic. Though. Our topic so, tonight... Yeah, is basically addressing ransomware. <sighs> We're going to talk about what's been going on in the world and how you can do better. Yeah. Possibly. It, it's honestly disappointing. The problem is... Okay, so there's two Slashdot articles that I linked yep. to recently. And I guess we're going to have to dig them up now. The first one, though, is that... Maybe it was just one article? It might have been one. 
The one that I'm thinking of, though, is that, like, some 60-plus percent, I don't remember what the article title was, but some massive percent, greater than 50, some massive percentage of people who pay the ransom, right, to get their data back after yeah. a ransomware attack. Yeah, it's, it's above Get 60%. hit with ransomware of the same variety again. Yeah. And that, to me, it's like, okay, it's one thing if you pay to get your data back. Like, depending what your data is, if you really don't have viable backups, I guess you don't have a choice, although uh-huh. that sounds wonky to me. But then you don't do anything to make sure it doesn't happen again. You right. deserve to not get it back, like, in a sense. Right. Because well, there's gonna... two facets to this. So number one, now I'm, I'm jumping right in. Okay. If you're a C-level and you don't make sure that your IT staff does something about it or replace them, which I hate to say. If you're a CTO, technically, that is your team. Like, that yeah. is your department. And, I so. mean, hopefully you took the fall the first time and you have a new CTO, to be <laughs> honest. Like, or we've at talked least he made some show. changes, you know? Well, we've talked about it on the show before, though. Like, yeah. the CTO is really there to take that fall. Well, from I'd a say that's more of the CEO rather than CTO. Like, it yeah, it does happen for all the C-levels, but I'd, I'd, happen, I'd be more surprised at a CTO taking a fall than a CEO. Sure. But, I mean, the fact of the matter is, whether you've gotten hit with ransomware and you remain in your position, or you're a new CTO coming in because the last person got canned because mm-hmm. of a ransomware attack, if you don't actually fix the problem, you're a huge part of the problem. Yeah. Not to sound like, you know, an idiot, but, like, you are, right? Like No, well, that's part of the problem, If you get hired right? to fill it's... somebody's shoes and they got fired because they did something grossly irresponsible, and I don't want to... I don't want to well, come big, down too well, hard on people because I'm sure picture, there are edge cases bigger, where bigger we picture, all... Bigger picture, though. Well, well, the reason ransomware is still prevalent and increasing is because it's profitable. It's profitable because right. even when people learn their lesson they don't learn their lesson right you if know nobody had to ever pay they wouldn't make any money so they wouldn't be doing it yeah it's a very expensive operation yeah to run ransomware cnc and stuff like that like yeah you know because it's because the risk there is you know the reward is greater than the risk because they're going to get paid out because these companies keep paying them you know it's going to continue and it's going to get worse right so not only are you putting your own company at risk, you're putting the entire technological landscape at risk. You're increasing that risk area because you decided that, oh, I didn't want to fucking properly implement backups. IDK, just pay it. It's insured. Why not? So that's just Is it, though? Is there ransomware insurance? Oh, absolutely. There's definitely. Are you sure? Oh, yeah. Yeah. A lot of no way. Oh, yeah, for the bigger names. I mean, it's expensive, don't get me wrong. But yeah, you can even ask Johnny about it. He can probably tell you a couple companies that do it. Okay, so here's... I think they call it, like, digital liability insurance so or something. It's called but... cyber insurance. Apparently. Cyber insurance. Yeah. And apparently they're really struggling right now because... People are paying. People are paying. Ransomware attacks are pushing up the cost drastically, and they're having trouble paying out all their clients right now. Apparently. This is per an AP News article, which we yeah. can to. So... I don't know, man. Send that the frustrating yes, part yes, of this is like, yes. one thing I've learned as a sysadmin and a cloud engineer and whatever is it's really hard to say something with 100% certainty. Like, mm-hmm. could you say 100% that you could not get ransomware? Oh, no. No. Right. Absolutely not. But so I know I have, I'm much You have a lot like... of reasonable protection. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's what's really hard about this is like, or 
I should rephrase that. I probably am suscept- just as susceptible as everyone else. It's not going to affect me as much as everyone else. Right, you have a recovery mechanism. Yeah, yeah I have recovery plans. And so this. there's two facets of this. So number one, if you're a sysadmin or a cloud engineer or a storage engineer or whatever the hell you might be, if somebody says, hey, are we protected from ransomware? That's your mm-hmm. opportunity to open a conversation. Because mm-hmm. the answer isn't yes or no. The answer is... Or, yes, we have cyber insurance. Well, no, that should not be a thing. No, it, no I agree. The problem with having that is I think it makes you complacent. It does. It absolutely does. And you'll see that in like the large enterprises and even just bigger like bigger LTVs and stuff. Like, Yeah, when you have the money to just throw money at a problem, regardless of how many more problems that causes, you tend to become much more short-sighted. Yeah. So the thing is... The answer should be, the answer should always be, yes, we could get ransomware. Because you don't even know what somebody might do to encrypt your data or steal your data or whatever. Because, mm-hmm. right, there are exploits in the wild we don't know about. And we don't know who knows about them, but we don't know about them. Right? Zero days is what yeah. you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's, we have a word for that. It's zero day. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, hello, this is Jonathan and Bourbon. But anyway. <laughs> So you should never say with 100% certainty that you're protected from any, right? Data loss, mm-hmm. malware, other yep. types of cyber attacks, whatever. Because we don't know that. We can never say that with 100% certainty. Right. Yeah, like even backups, like... Right. You don't... It's not a true backup unless it's tested, but... You can't, you can't test really it every fucking it. second of the day, right? Exactly. Exactly. Right. So the answer to that question should always be... First of all, you shouldn't be asked to give a yes or no answer. Right. Right. Like if it's, you're because it's not a yes or no, it's answer. not a yes or no answer. The answer is always no. But here's what I've done to make sure if that happens, we're as protected as we can be. I like giving like number based stuff because then that's at least more tangible, even if it's an estimate. Like yeah, I'd say we're better off than about eighty percent of the companies out there. Yeah, because I mean you should have enough feel of the landscape to be able to give a rough number. Yeah. Well, that's so hard though. Right? Like, what are you going to put a percentage on it? Well, there's a 50% chance. Like, well, there's a 50. Ultimately, there's a 50% chance you get ransomware, right? You either do or you don't. That's a 50% chance. But then you, when you start complicating that, well, this is how probability and statistics works, right? Yeah. So then we start compl- complicating that by saying, like, within the next six months, then you're like, that greatly reduces that probability to maybe like 10%. But you 10%. can't say that, right? I mean, no, but you need to learn how to make rough estimates based on the going rate and how you compare to the, the de facto standard or whatever, you know? But that's the thing is you can't because with a single zero day, you can just be wrong. Sure, but zero days in the wild being you because remember, the second they use that, it's burned. So that's why they're worth not, a ton of there's money. There's not always no. great mitiga- mitigation for every zero day. Well, like before there's a patch, right? Yeah. So when you and burn the a zero, is, well, no, no, no. When you burn a zero day, not only do you risk it being patched out, because yeah, yeah, you might. Which depending, not, to be fair, you can drop a zero day as a good guy and as a bad guy, right? Right. So, yeah. Like, and I am I am happy to see so many people <laughs> opting for the white hat than the black hat, but same. But, but there are also, I mean, along those lines, there are companies who people contact like their security email or whatever. And they're mm-hmm. like, hey, I found this thing. And they just fucking ignored them. And then they do just post it on GitHub. 
Which well, is yeah. not to say, like, in my opinion, that's not necessarily wrong. I, I don't think that's fair. That. I mean, that's, that's... Right. I would say that's part if of the If you try to do the right thing but... first, and the well, company basically blows you off, then do what you will. With. Right. Well, now I mean, we're getting into responsible disclosure, which I think right. might be a different discussion it's, it's topic. It's a different but... discussion. Yeah. You know what? That would be a really oh, good discussion me. to try to have Johnny back for. Yeah. I would love to come on for that. Johnny but anyway. And maybe Derek, too. Yeah. Some other guy who's... Oh, no, no. The mainframe guy. Oh, yeah. Like, um, the, the guy who does mainframe penetration. Striker. No, not Striker. Oh, he Stryker. was a Striker was the, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we suck at this show. Why can I never remember? I know, I literally, like, just I'll link to some... the episode. We we had him on the show before. I, like, I can, I know his like, Twitter handle's, like, mainframe767 or something like that, but. I know. Yeah. Yeah, the mainframe guy. The mainframe guy. Well, I'll link to the show in the episode notes. Or. To the episode in the show notes. Soldier of Fortran. Yeah, Soldier of Fortran. Whatever the name was. Yeah. Yeah, so that would be great to have him back on too with Johnny. But yeah, so <laughs> switching us back on topic, j because I I am not the derail here. Fucking Peyton. <laughs> He's not even here. Yeah, but it's still his fault. Like oh, everything in my life. Sake. I thought it was always j fault. Mm-hmm. According to you two dumbasses. Yeah, well. More than all, uh, more than not is. But anyway, right somewhere. So yeah, practically speaking, number one, absolutely, is have backups, and I don't mean backups that your client can write to on demand and prune on demand. I mean like stuff that, ideally, you should have a window of when that backup can take place. If not, that's kind of okay as long as your backups are append only. One or the other, both are fantastic. If you can implement both, if given a choice, I probably would prefer the append-only option, just because it, it it gives you that protection. Can you do append-only with Borg? I do. Yeah. If you run a cron, and you, I mean, you have to make sure that no current job is running. Right. But if no current job is running for a given client, a given repository, you can just chatter dash i or plus i it, and you know won't be able to to prune it. You'll get a really nasty error, but you'll still be able to restore from it. Yeah. So, yeah. So make sure your backups are append only. You don't, you never, never, never want the client to be able to to control its own backup retention. That's dumb. That's really fucking dumb. I cannot. Well, because it's compromised and they change the retention to don't retain. And that's right. Right. And what a lot of ransomware authors are doing now is they will sort of look at the system that's infected and see if it's running any of the more popular backup systems. Right. And if it is, they're pruning out the backups. Yeah. So the other part of that, though, not specifically related to retention or append-only or whatever, but right. something I just don't want to lose sight of is a lot of people have backups that they take in various ways. You know, if you're hosting mostly VMs, maybe you have entire images, whatever. Yeah. That's the easiest scenario to restore from, probably. Oh, yeah, because it was snapshots. Right. You take a snapshot, you deploy a brand new VM from it, you have everything, all the services. Back up in 5 to 15 minutes. Right. But there's a lot of people, myself included, who don't back up in that way. Like, I don't have the, you know, if you use VPS providers, they allow you to take full images, but only with their backup. Right. If you want to use your own, you're probably not doing that. So here's the thing, is I had one service in particular, and I know you and I talked about this, that I was not sure how I would restore from a backup of it. Mm -hmm. 
and it was Nextcloud. And it was what? Nextcloud. Nextcloud, yeah. If I was using Nextcloud with their encryption mechanism, not only would I have to install, uh, Jesus, I need to restore. restore from my backup, but I would need to make sure that I could use their encryption key, if I could even find it, to actually restore Nextcloud. So that is... And so just restoring data from your backup and saying, oh, look, we have it, is not necessarily enough. You really have to look at what sure services usable. am I actually running and can I get that service back online? Yeah. And I not wouldn't only say is that time is necessarily the most easy. important. It can be. I mean, time is money. But like telling somebody, yeah, I can restore this, but it's going to take two weeks versus telling somebody, I don't know how long this is going to take or I won't be able to actually use this mm. are very different things to say. And if you and if that's really a concern, you know, every week or every other day or whatever, keep a cold spare at the ready. Restore that from backup, uh, from the backup from the hot. Right. And then if you know if the hot gets compromised, switch over to the cold spare while you restore right. the the hot. Right. I mean, then and the cold spare becomes the hot. If you have a performance degradation or something in doing so, it's better than not having it. It's better than not having it. Yeah. Right. But most importantly, what you really need to do is run a drill. I mean, it sounds mm. kind of sti- like silly and stupid, but like you need to actually restore the service. So like that's what mm-hmm. I did. I actually took my backup. I made a whole new VPS and I put Nextcloud on it with my data from my backup. And I went through that process and documented how do I actually do this? Yeah. So that's that is an interesting touch on our chaos engineer episode because yeah, they. <laughs> I think as a chaos engineer, and I mean this with utmost respect and love and all that, but I think the best chaos engineers may have a streak of evil in them. And what, yeah, yeah. But what I mean by way. that is you can tell us that, yeah, my backups are good. I tested them. Fine. Whatever. But have you had someone shell into your server and DDIF equals dev null, OF equals dev SDA recently? Right. Because if you haven't had that happen, you don't know for a fact that you're back. You know, there's no, your ass is not on the line unless that happens. Right, right. I mean, there is a sense of security in in knowing like, oh, I run this service, I have backups, it's good. Mm -hmm. But what would you actually do to restore from that backup and get your users, your company, whatever, back online? Like, which is is why I, which is why I suggest that cold spare idea. Right. Uh, Because that does let you test your backups. Depending on what you're doing. Depending on what you're doing. It's not always going to work. But for a large amount of things, it does. Even write down like the same hostname, same IP address, whatever. It, I mean, yeah, you may have to, to flip it offline. Yeah. But, you know, you should have like an offline mechanism for restoring your backups, ideally. But yeah, so once, you know, once you set up this cold spare in place, you know, number one, that that particular backup archive, that particular snapshot, whatever, is good. Number two... You now have potentially just a, a couple days old instance you can immediately switch to if needed mm-hmm. while you restore the newer one, you know, the one that was taken last night or whatever. Right. So there's a lot of benefits there to have that as an option. And, you know, I'm trying to keep this in mind with ransomware, but it's really easy because, I mean, backup is a, backups are a really complex topic. We've talked about them multiple times, multiple times. And I, I still feel like we've understressed backups and restoration from backups and DFIR in general. I don't know if we understressed it, but I think I think we talked about it in the light of like, you have to have this and this is why it can help you. Mm-hmm. But I don't know that we necessarily, and of course we said before like, oh, backups are only good if they're verified and verifiable, right. Right. which is true. But actually going through the exercise of 
restoring from a backup. Like, pretend or make it so you actually have to restore from a backup and do it. And what does that process look like? Document that process. Not just stepwise, like what did I have to do, but how long does it take? Because then when somebody does ask you a question, are we immune to being, you know, ransomware? No. Well, what happens if we get ransomware? Well, here's the, you know, protective measures we have in place. If this happened, this is what it would mean from an operational standpoint. That's going to go a really long way in making you look credible and making it look like you know what you're doing. And also, in all fairness, in you actually knowing what the fuck you're doing. Like, yeah. But you also need to take account there's a lot of snake oil out there. You know, oh, yeah. And, and, and that's part of why that, I don't think you should just rely on some third party saying, oh, you guys are good. This is fine. Well, Fucking well, do it yourself. Well, that's why your, your answer should never be, no, we're susceptible to ransomware. It should be, no, we're susceptible to ransomware. Everyone is. Here's why. Right. And, you know, you obviously, if you're talking to, like, execs or something, you want to maybe dumb down the language. No offense, execs, if you're listening, but oh, see, I, I wouldn't you guys say... aren't. You guys don't get your, your money because you're understanding this. You get your money because you're making decisions about it. So we well, just need to give you top level, right? I also think just saying dumbing it down versus make it approachable for everybody in the room is a more... Tomato, tomato. Sure. You know? Yeah. But primarily, we're talking to like operations here, not execs on this podcast. So yeah. for us, it would essentially be dumbing it down. We're distilling it down into to something more palatable. Yeah, more under, easily understood, which, yeah, means you lose, lose a lot of fidelity and a lot of detail in the process, but kind of a necessary point. But yeah, if you can keep it very top level, very high level, it's like, yeah, we're, we're not safe against ransomware. But, you know, here's why mm-hmm. everyone else is not also and why these vendors promising that we will be are wrong. Yeah. And here is what we're doing to address that. You know, and here's why most companies are going to fail because they aren't addressing that. The key thing is to making sure that you are number one, that you are ahead of the curve, and number two, that you look ahead of the curve. Because the first one is going to be for your ass, and the second one is going to be for the exact ass. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And there's another, I mean, we're talking right now pretty extensively about backups. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to. Well, that's to... because that's pretty much the one guaranteed solution. To avoid paying ransom. Kind of, yeah. But there are other things. Like, I don't want to advocate for only having data in one place. Okay, yeah. I would never advocate for that. But let's look at object storage. Mm -hmm. Most object storage, especially S3 compatible object storage, which to be honest, I don't know of anybody using object storage that's not. But but S3 compatible object storage has versioning available. Mm Mm-hmm. And so people will turn on versioning and they're like, oh, this is great. If somebody fucks up a file, deletes a file, whatever, I can go back in time. But what if every bucket you have that has versioning enabled also has the ability to delete past versions enabled? Mm-hmm. That's a problem. So make sure you're That's practicing... essentially the non-append only backup problem, too. Yeah, it's the same problem, right? Yeah. Give your users read, write, delete access if that's what they need, but don't let them delete versioned copies and then you as the administrator set the policy on the bucket to say we keep 10 versions of every file Mm -hmm. because then even if your user's keys are compromised or or something those keys are not usable to actually delete every version of the file ever and sometimes not always but sometimes and i would even say maybe not most of the time but a lot of the time Mm -hmm. having an old version of a file is better than not having it at all 
Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. Not I, always. I'd say most of the time, even. Most of the time. Eh, maybe. But, so, like, you know, even if you're maintaining one copy of something in S3, which we know mm -hmm. S3 has really good consistency, it's got a lot of durability, I still wouldn't advocate for it, right? Mm. I can't in good faith advocate for it. I don't do it myself. I wouldn't recommend that, you know, my employer do it. I don't think my employer would ever let me do it, right? So, you know, that's how far I would go to say that it's a bad idea. But if I were going to keep a bucket that was one copy, right? I use S3, I only use S3, I have one bucket, it's not replicated, then would I turn versioning on? Yeah, I would probably turn versioning on for at least one or two copies of a file, revisions of a file, and I would make sure that the user that I primarily use to access this bucket cannot remove past revisions, old copies. Right. So yeah, all right, we've talked a lot about storage and backups, but like, what else can you do to really prevent or well, minimize really... the impact of ransomware? The most, the only kind of proactive approach you can do it is just really educate your users and yeah. make sure that your policies are locked down. You know, yeah. like you don't That's want users... That's what I was going to say is most ransomware honestly happens because people in your organization do dumb things. Yeah. And actually, I don't even want to say dumb things because... It's not dumb to them. any better, right, it's yeah, not yeah. dumb to them. It's just a mistake. And it's a mistake they don't even know they're making. So like, educate mm -hmm. your users... Don't do the crazy shit that companies do, like send people an email that's super emotionally taxing, like your grandmother's dying, you know, in the hospital. Please click this link. Uh -huh. That's a bad example, but you know what I mean. Like, we've seen cases of companies using really shitty situations. I mean, to be fair, like, personally, I would still opt for those emails when I was <sighs> testing, the, when I was doing a test phishing campaign. Because, oh. well, look at it this way the bad guy is not going to give a shit, right? Honestly, though, they might. No, they don't. <sighs> but they're not going to know super personal things like that. No. They're but... not going to know what hits close to home as much as you would. Are you not familiar with the fish campaign that went out a while ago that was someone talking about how they were traveling and trapped in a foreign country and they need money wired to them? Uh, no, but it sounds like a perfectly reasonable one. <laughs> well... I mean, it was essentially it's more convincing what you're than a about. fucking Nigerian prince is all I'm saying. Yeah, it, it was written to be much more personable than, than some Nigerian prince, right? Sure. There's different motivations for these. One is the emotional exploit, yeah. which is what we're talking about here. Dead grandma, friend or relative trapped in foreign country, whatever. Right. Boss, somebody you revere in a sense, or at least like they're your boss, right? Like you don't want to fuck up at your job. Yeah. Oh, but your that, boss I'd needs money that's right maybe now. a little bit... Of a different one. That's like a responsibility type phishing target. Mm -hmm. And then there's the risk reward target, which is what the Nigerian print scams are. Right. right. So there's 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 a, a bunch of different kind of approaches to phishing. But that emotional manipulation one, absolutely yeah. present. And furthermore, absolutely used in the tech scams. Yeah. The tech scam phone calls. So if they aren't willing to compromise on that, I'm not willing to compromise that when I'm testing. Yeah. Because I want them to be prepared. I want them to harden up, essentially. I want them to be able to say, no, fuck you. I know my grandma isn't in the hospital, you know? Yeah, I mean, that's a whole ethical line of questions and discussion that I don't know mm. that we have to go down. Maybe not, but... But in any case, I user think education... Yeah, user education in general, right? Like, don't download and install random shit. 
if you need something installed, let IT know. Yeah, it's going to put you back for an hour, but I'd rather us do it and you don't bring their in- the entire internet down. And You know, I mean, of course, the argument can also be made that one employee's mistakes should not be able to bring the entire internet down. But that's... Sure. Or intranet, rather. But that's, you well, know, that, that, that that's is... That's actually another really interesting point here is... Yeah. Make it so if your users or employees or whatever, or even mm-hmm. colleagues, make a mistake that it doesn't cost the company. How do we do that? MFA goes a really long way. MFA. Maybe they do enter their password on the wrong site or at some sketchy place, but guess what? They also have a YubiKey or... Or shit, a Google Authenticator or yep. whatever. Honestly, know. I've recently been playing with Duo. Okay. I don't love it, but getting a push notification on my phone is actually pretty convenient. I literally I've, unlock my phone. I have approved a deny in the notification bar on Android. I press approve. Yeah. It lets me log in. I have my issues with Duo because I don't think Same. they implement the multiple device thing properly. But that's, I mean, I we can do a whole with Duo. But it's better than not having it. It's better than not having Which, it. Which I will absolutely agree with that. I'm going to go out on a limb here, and this may spark some debate. Having SMS-based 2FA is better than not having 2FA. No, I would agree with that too. I, mean, I hate that people are railing against it so hard because... The honest truth is, most likely, well, if you're like actually, an average human, it depends I, what it allows you to do. Okay, so there is something, this is an example of something. Mm-hmm. I recently couldn't log into a service. Not at work, just to be clear, in case anybody's listening. But, I mean, I could not log into a service. I was able to completely reset my password and log into my account just by clicking a link in an SMS that I got. That's fucking mm. bad. Yeah, that's terrible. That's not, by the way, for if you for any web devs listening, that's not what two FA is. <laughs> that's not two FA, and it's not necessarily web devs. I mean, whoever is involved in the design process of an app, true, or yeah, the design decision yeah. making. Well, so but well, if you actually enforce good password policy, requiring a password, same password reset policies, and two FA comes by way of SMS, I don't necessarily have a problem with it because I still. I think my caveat for SMS 2FA is I think as long as users who use it are aware of the risks inherent to it and know that they don't have a better option. Sure. I think you should always offer a better option than SMS 2FA. Right, okay. I that's, think there's not really an excuse not that's to. That's a really good point. point. Right. But 2FA if, should be like the bottom tier option, yeah. but it's still better than not having anything. Right, I agree. Okay. And then... You know, like, say someone does not have a smartphone or something, so they can't use, I don't know, Google Authenticator. Right. Now, there, there are browser plugins, but they're a pain in the ass to set up. So I would they not also be... introduce their own flaws. Yeah, that, that's right? also Like, you true. can get uh, 1Password, for example, yeah. to automatically fill OTP fields for you, and they manage your OTP. Yeah. Well, in my opinion, that's kind of a stupid idea, because you've now well, passed... It's, it's probably still better than not having it. it no, I, I'm more okay with that than I am. I mean, that's just token management. That's not... Right, but there's a seed for that that they're storing. Yeah, but that's that's still local to your device, though. You know no, what I mean? That's the whole... It's pl- cloud-based. I have a well, browser one password plugin. the service is, but I would imagine the seed? No. For filling I, in that I OTP? I have Chrome on two computers with one password. Uh-huh. I can use it to generate an OTP, and I've only set it up once. How do you know it doesn't have multiple seeds? I didn't set up multiple. Well, I would presume that when you installed 1Password, it did. I set up one device. When I log into the 1Password extension in Chrome and another device, it just works with my OTP. 
Oh, I see what you're saying. Well, yeah, no, as part yes. of that, that login process, they can still add a second seed. You know, there's nothing to say they aren't doing that behind the scenes. I, but I don't how many know if they, they add are. then, right? Like, it doesn't say there's a limit to five devices because they've generated five. Like, they would have to generate infinite. So, no, so it's they still can't valid. Do it after the fact. It's still valid MFA because the whole point of that is you have to have physical possession of an authorized yeah. device. I it doesn't agree it's better than matter nothing. how many authorized devices there are. But I don't like that's it. not a determining factor. The determining factor of MFA is okay. Do they have the password and do they have one of these approved devices? Mm-hmm. You know, so it they it, you may have like five, ten devices. It's still valid MFA. It makes it more complex on your end, yeah, as the user because you have to make sure now ten devices are physically secured instead of just one or yeah. two or five or whatever. But yeah, that doesn't make it an invalid use case. No, not necessarily. It is. It kind of raises an interesting point, though. Like, how did we get to talk about MFA when when we're talking about? We're talking about user education. Yeah, but but this raises an interesting point, and because MFA does go a long way in preventing your users from doing something dumb. Mm -hmm. Only add devices to log into services that you actually need, right? Like, yeah, if you have a a work computer, a home computer. But people do it like, oh, well, what's what happens to my work computer? Well, all right. I better set so up my personal laptop. Keep like, in mind, no. like, we're not we're not a podcast really for users. We're for operations. Right, operations but, knows better. But that's my point: is as someone in operations, you could set up some boundaries so your users only get one laptop to set up or one device. And if they want to set up more than that, they have to go through you to figure out like, well, why are they actually trying to set up another? Right. Right. If your users or, or you know, if you're your employees, well, maybe too, like a, a mobile and a laptop would probably be, especially for sales actually, teams. Depending what, yes, depending what it is, but some people don't really need a mobile login. No, right. And some people don't need a login at all. So, like, it, yeah, it, it's all contextual. But I feel like that's kind of a no shut kind of a, you know. I don't think it is though. Like, I don't. My, I don't think everyone out. Like, I think if you run operations at a fact like at a factory i don't think the people on the design floor are all getting their phones added and everyone on the assembly floor is getting both you know net like ad logins and their phones at you know what i mean like i'm pretty sure people are pretty smart about that i don't know man i think they are like well i mean i would say none of them are implementing mfa but if they are they're not doing that that wrong you know what i mean i don't know they're, i think that's so, a big assumption no, it's like it's like a, a gapped threshold, right? Like you've got like people on this one end who don't implement any sort of MFA or, or two factor or whatever, for whatever reason. Maybe it's budget concerns or, or developing, you know, issues or whatever. But then you've got this stopgap, and then way up on the other end, you've got really competent systems who are like, you know, what would be really good for this network. You know, what we need MFA. They're the ones who are going to be saying. While we're implementing an MFA, we should really focus on who needs access to what and what doesn't. Well, that should be done well before MFA. Even if you don't have MFA, you right? But you still actually, need to. You're I mean, still binding it to privilege access. You're still binding it to an account, right? So if you're implementing this shit like ground up or whatever, you're going to be thinking about all of that at once. My point is, competent systems implement MFA without being told to. They also know to implement proper policies according to user accounts or whether they even get a user account or not yeah so that's that's where i'm getting at with that yeah but all okay. this going back to ransomware though back like where we started 
Yeah, which is what this episode is supposed to be about. Okay, but MFA can help prevent ransomware. Marginally. I would say it's more important to teach your users to be careful about what they download and run. Because that's really your entry point for ransomware. Is, number one, like downloading attachments. Even visiting websites. You know, like, depending on what browser, there's a lot of browser exploits out there that will just fucking run code. By going to a certain... By running a certain JavaScript snippet or whatever. So be careful of what they visit. You know, if you are okay with being a little draconian, implement web filtering so you catch those before they happen. But you also need to keep in mind, like, it is a bit of a cat and mouse game in that, like, some of your users may need access to things that you may not consider. And it's going to be really frustrating to them to not have access to those things until they get a, you know, a change request put in. And it gets approved and implemented and all that bullshit, right? Right. So keep in mind scope and risk and all that. Like, and that's part of the other thing is like, how much damage do we want to be able to let this one employee do? Yeah. Their own AD user account or their own workstation. Yeah, fine, whatever. Let them fuck it up. We can re-image it. We can, you know, scrub their account and create a new one. We can just scrub their documents directory or whatever Windows calls it. Their home equivalent. You know, we can scrub that. That's not a big deal at the end of the day. Now, if you maybe have a lot of people that are doing that, maybe maybe revisit that. But I would say, generally speaking, that's not going to be an issue these days. Yeah, Most people are not going to be doing shit that would put them at risk like that. So really, you just got to be prepared enough to like spend, I don't know, I, at that point, you're looking at like an hour a month or whatever, just fixing it instead of spending... I don't know, 60 hours a month maintaining the restrictive permission set that would prevent it in the first place, which still isn't guaranteed to prevent it or will restrict the employee to the point of frustration. So, which is a problem because I mean, it's good in a sense because you're doing your job, but it's bad because employees will always look for a way around that. Yeah. 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 And sometimes they find it, even if they don't find it. Right. But and, even and they if don't... they don't find it, like, that's still, it's still not perfect. You're still not going to 100% prevent the unknown, which, you know, and I'm not saying don't implement any security controls or anything like that. Like, you don't want a user being able to get admin, but, you know, just be smart about it and give them the benefit of the doubt right? to let them kind of have a little bit of wiggle. Because at the end of the day, like, your focus should really be on limiting scope of damage. That is done by a compromise rather than preventing compromise. That's where your most of your efforts should be spent. So that's my take on it. But with ransomware, the, practically speaking, that looks like maybe filtering, like you know, to only a whitelist of approved websites. Maybe not, depending on the department or your your company's vibe or whatever. Definitely running scans on all email attachments. Yeah. Definitely educating your users, as we touched on about what phishing looks like. Like, why are they emailing your work email for, you know, your sick grandma instead of either calling your work phone or emailing your personal one, whatever. You know, like, teaching users context, things like that. Educating users on why you may have restrictive policies in place goes a long way. Yeah. And if you want to be a little bit draconian about it, reminding them this is, you know, they're not here to have fun, ultimately. They're here to get work done. Right. And that doesn't mean they can't have fun, but like, don't go out 
seeking fun, you should be seeking work to be done. So, so you know, there's a little bit of philosophy and ethics in there too. But by and large, the approach you primarily want to take is just limiting scope, I think, is going to get you the most bang for buck for prevention. And then again, for remediation, backups. I cannot stress backups enough. Make sure your machines are easily imageable, easily built up from bare metal, stuff like that. And that's really all I have on that. Just make your, I think if you can make your machines and to an extent your accounts as throw away as possible. In other words, like it doesn't matter. We lost that server. I can have a new one up in five minutes. Get your info to that point and you are set. And I will not have to pay another ransomware. Five minutes doesn't have to be like a gold standard. A day is better than a A day is better than a week, right? A week is better than a month. But just make sure any avenue is better than no avenue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you want to continually shoot for improving that rebuild time as part of that. Because then if you have backups, if you have rebuild time in place, you literally have no fear from ransom. Yeah. It's, and if something is mission critical, it should be balanced anyways. Yeah. And if it's bad enough to take out like all of your load balanced targets, you did something. You got bigger, yeah. You got bigger issues than ransomware at that point. I'll tell you what. Right. You're not gapping things properly. You're not separating services. Whatever. Mm -hmm. You're probably not firewalling your targets from each other, which you definitely should be. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's really all. Rules, man. (laughs) What do you mean? I shouldn't let you know. I shouldn't let. Web Daemon A be able to talk to Web Daemon B behind the load balancer? I mean, ideally not, but nobody does it. Nobody uses outbound firewall rules. I do it. Yeah. But I'm also paranoid, so yeah, there's that. Okay, so I think that's all we have. That's all I have for this topic. Is that all? Are you done with this topic? Are you are you ready to move on to the next one? happy. You're happy? Yeah. Thinking okay. about all these people hacking the things that my clams are sufficiently steamed. Okay. So, if you were steaming your clams, how many clams would be steamed? About eight. Why only eight? That's a good amount for one bowl of clams linguine. <laughs> what about two bowls? Two bowls and change. Sixteen? No. I mean, you did ask for two. All right, what I if I eat one of those clams? How many clams do you have? Was it before I put it on the table? That doesn't matter if it was before. It doesn't after. matter because no. what kind of monster doesn't wait for the presentation? I'll, no, I'll fucking eat it. I don't care. Don't, don't eat touch it right my pan. No. Yeah. You're a shucking monster. <laughs> Mother shucker. <laughs> Shuck you, dude. Yeah, okay. So, if 15. you had... 15 Okay, clients. 15. All right. Okay, uh-huh. great. There we go. All right, All right well, Jeff, I'm spyware now. Well, that's... I mean, that's that's a bit of a simplified... <laughs> no, I read it on the internet. Well, to be fair, okay. That's... So here's what happened. No, 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 no. Jathan, I need to point something out. That's going to make you really mad. That I love seeing you get really mad about shit. To be fair, that sort of like extremist view of it is exactly what Nixcraft said in his tweet about it. We're down here. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> You've turned into Nixcraft, Jathan. I'm done. How now. do you feel about that? I resign from my post. <laughs> I'm not sure which post, but probably all of them. Poor Katie's gonna find Jathan dead next morning because when his suicide was supposed to be, I never wanted to become Nixcraft or like <laughs> I become what I hunted, what I hated the most or something. Yeah, sorry. So Audacity made some changes. Yeah. So first of all, I haven't read up on the whole story, but it seems like Audacity got bought by some company. That is true. 
Yes. I can't remember the company name. It'll be in the show notes. Correct. And essentially, it seems like they've done the thing that companies do, and they've added some actual legal disclaimers and privacy statements and such to their verbiage. Yep. Which is probably fine. Yep. But some of it's kind of ambiguous in a weird way. Mm. And so the thing is, when I read it, I'm not even really like, I wouldn't say much of an alarmist. Mm -hmm. But it read to me like Audacity had the the right per their disclaimer Mm -hmm. to basically, if they really wanted to, capture your audio and give it to the authorities, the police. Now, they've come out. Did you read the whole text or did you read just that snippet we both saw? No, I read all of it. Okay. I think it mostly is actually meant to apply to like their forums and message boards. That's what I think. And they do have to disclose that per GDPR. Yeah, but it's not actually totally clear. Mm. And either way, Audacity before was a perfectly fine open source project. Now it's owned by a company. They have said they're going to revise the language and stuff like that, and I think that's fine. Mm. Maybe it will come out okay. But I just don't... It didn't sit right with me. Mm. It is weird when you have... Did they say if they were going to continue releasing it open source? I think so, yeah. Mm. If not, I, I would expect a, a fork to happen. Oh, yeah. People um, have already forked it. Plenty of people are talking about forking it. I saw one person actually forked it and committed to maintaining it. Of course, okay. plenty of people do that all the time. Yeah. So we'll see like, what happens. Uh, like fucking Devilon. I wonder if they're still around. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody. Everybody yeah. did. But, yeah. I don't know where I was going with this other than to say, if you're a company and you buy an open source project, don't ruin it. If you're an open mm-hmm. source project, don't sell it to a company. If you use Audacity, follow this and consider not. We're still using Audacity right now. Yeah, as in like this second. Yes. We may. I would I, like I'll, to see. I'd be open to using something else for a while. Yeah. I mean, we so, don't do any editing right here on our system. We just need something no. to record in Flack. So. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I do a little bit of editing, especially if I gave edit a off for the episode. So I might need like a, another option. Now, there are other options available, but they tend to be very complex. Yeah. They tend to be full-blown decks. Right. Like, we just need something or relatively dogs, simple. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we'll see how this ends up. I think I may switch to one of the forks as soon as it stabilizes and it's community tested. Yeah. Because it does... It's so, yeah, aside from that worrying language, there's also telemetry gathering, which right. I think may be what the verbiage... That sounds like they upload audio from. Right. I think I it think may that also just be about that. I think it's about the telemetry because but you have what's, to disclose that under GDPR too. Yeah, and what's complicated about that is I am not necessarily opposed to it. No, I'm but not I'm opposed either. to it not being optional. Yeah, and it, yeah, it's and, not and, currently and optional. And I did talk about this. It, it should be opt in only telemetry. or even opt out. Like if the first time you open something, it says, "Hey, unless you go check this box." We're going to collect this data. I don't actually really care. I care a little bit about that. But yeah, you're right. I mean, as long as there's a way to achieve the desired end result, I'm okay. Yeah. 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 But in this case, there's not. Right. I think, right? So I don't remember seeing one. I'd have to look through their options because they they have made some significant changes since I looked. So, Hmm. yeah. So I think that's all we have for this episode. Do you have anything to add? No. Yeah, I don't either. Cool. All right. So this has been System in Australia. I'm Brent. I'm Jonathan. Oh, it's weird to not have Jaden sign on. <laughs> and 
and I'm <laughs> Pete. Yeah, there you go. See you around. See you around.